Girl Camper is sponsored by Progressive Insurance. Get an RV policy quote by calling 1-800-PROGRESSIVE or going to progressive.com backslash RV. And go Little Guy Worldwide, whose full line of lightweight camping trailers are Girl Camper favorites. Hello, my name is Janine Pettit, and I'm a girl camper. I go places and I do things in my little 1966 Go Tagalong Vintage Travel Trailer. Along the way, I meet many interesting people traveling the back roads, and I want to share their stories with you. We will talk about the qualities of what makes a girl camper and how you can become a girl camper, too. The girl campers are having a party, and you're invited. Stay tuned while I share what's happening on the back roads of America the Beautiful. Welcome, I'm Janine Pettit, Girl Camping Ambassador, Blogger, Adventurist, and Podcaster. And this is episode number 39 of Girl Camper, the podcast. On our show today, we have lots of ground to cover. I have a listener question to answer on the subject of trailer lingo. It occurred to me that some of our listeners are new to the RV world and sometimes they don't know what I'm talking about. So until I can get everybody over to a camper college, I'm going to do a little trailer lingo 101 in our campfire chat. I'm also going to be talking about campground etiquette as it pertains to camping with your dogs. We all love our dogs, and when we're at home, they have their own space to run and romp, but at a campground, adjustments need to be made to yours and Fido's regular routine to accommodate the camper who may literally be only 10 feet away from you and is possibly not a dog lover. Can we all just get along? Yes, and I'm going to share some tips on camping respectfully with your dog. But first, I want to share with you a word from our sponsor, Progressive Insurance. And it's all about bundling. If you don't know what bundling is, I will tell you. It's about adding all of your policies together. Your RV insurance with another Progressive policy like auto, motorcycle, or boat. Or if you're a girl camper, a second trailer. It's a great way to save money when you're out there on the road seeing all the sights. Call 1-800-PROGRESSIVE or visit progressive.com backslash RV to learn more. We'll be back in a minute with our news roundup. to say that the Girl Camper News Roundup is sponsored by our friends at Little Guy Trailers who are in the business of getting you into the great outdoors by making camping easier but most of all fun and their trailers are all lightweight so easy to tow behind all vehicles 
and plus they offer the safety and security we girl campers want. Now, if you've never taken a look at one of these tab trailers, we got news for you. There's a new camper college that's been scheduled, and it's at Beckley's Camping Center in Thurmont, Maryland. And that is going to be held on August 12th at 6 p.m. And I'm going to put all of the details on the Girl Camper dot com website and i'm going to be putting that out there on um, the camp like a girl page on facebook as well it's going to be out in all the things but i just want you to save that date beckley's is going to be walking everyone through the process of owning operating and towing a travel trailer and i think these workshops really help women to understand that this is not rocket science these trailers are really easy to own and tow and operate. And when you've had someone take the time to walk you through it and you know that you can buy with confidence and you know you're at a dealership that you re can return to over and over and they'll help you, that's what gives you the confidence to make that purchase. So it's not a sales pitch. This is all about gathering information right now. It's about learning about what am I able to tow? What's my towing capacity of my car? If I buy this trailer that I like, can I keep the car that I love? Or would it require me to change cars? The great thing about tab trailers is there are very few cars out there that would not be able to tow one. So if you've got that car you love, you can buy a tab with confidence and not have to worry about towing it. But the whole point of Camper College is not to give you a sales pitch. It's to arm you with information. And one of my requirements for dealerships when I partner with them for a Camper College is that they understand that it's not a sales pitch. And I'm happy to say that everyone I've talked to about this is on the same page. There are just people who do business in a hard sell kind of way. And then there are people who just know, you know what, I'm in it for the long run. If you buy a trailer now, that's great. But if you buy one six years from now when you retire, we want you to know that we want to be your dealership. And I've got that relationship already with Beckley's. Just working with them on the phone, they understand that that is what the camper colleges are all about. So we're going to be having camper college at Beckley's Camping Center, Thurmont, Maryland, August 12th, 6 p.m., I'm going to be on hand. I'm coming up and we're going to co-host the event together, Kelly at Beckley's and I, and it's going to be a wonderful evening. So put that one on your calendars. Now I have more tab news, little guy trailers. I'm very excited because guess what's coming up? Tear stock. So if you don't know what tear stock is, it's basically a gathering of all the tear drop trailer owners. So everyone who owns a trailer by Little Guy Worldwide, whether it's a little tag, whether it's a teardrop, whether it's a tab trailer, whether it was made by Dutchman before Little Guy bought them, or it was made recently by Little Guy, they all gather in Mineral City, Ohio, which is near their factory. And it's just like a big um, Alumapalooza when all the um, Airstream people get together. So it's going to be over a hundred little tab trailers there. And I invited myself. <laughs> I called up and said, I'd like to go to that. <laughs> and they said, we'd love to have you. Thanks for coming. So I'm going to go to that because what has been so much fun for me over the course of the last six months with the podcast is 
all of the different people I have met. And I got to tell you, tab owners are loyal people. So I got in touch with some of my girl camping tab friends and my tab friends who are not girls. And so many of them are coming. So I'm very excited when I'm at the event. I'm going to be meeting up with Dawn and Pat and Crystal and Lori and Sandy and Michael and Jeff, and we're going to be doing an interview with them on why they love their tabs. So I'm really looking forward to this event. It's a big gathering. I'm only going to be there for two days because then I'm heading down to Camper College July 15th in Huntington, West Virginia at Seltzer's Camping World. So lots of Camper Colleges going on, lots of running around the country. Um, and that's going to be a great event. I'm looking forward to seeing all the people there and interviewing all of them. And there's all kinds of other things going on at Tearstock. There's going to be factory tours. You know that's where my Mr. Sister is going to be because he's coming with me on this road trip. And so there's factory tours going on there. And then there's just all kinds of cool events. They're going to have a DJ there and a big movie on the big screen and some mores. And this is a cool thing. And I'm going to have to go to the winery here. So apparently they do this thing every year where the people from whatever town, and they're coming from states, I don't know, it's 30-something states all over the country, even more maybe. I, 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 get, I, I thought I read that number 32 or something. But anyway... Everybody brings a craft beer or a homemade wine that's indigenous to your region. So I'm going to go over to the winery by me and I'm going to get some wine and bring it over there. And then everybody has this big potluck dinner and craft beer and wine tasting thing. And it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. And then they're going to have an awards night. I don't think I'm going to be there when this happens. But there's going to be awards given out for the best campsite and the furthest person uh, tra who traveled the furthest to come there. And, and then there's a little thing about... Um, mechanics. So everybody modifies their trailers to fit what they need. So it's just a fun time for everybody to go around the campground, seeing what kind of modifications you made to make it work for you. So there's lots of sharing going on. So anyway, Tearstock is happening in Mineral City, Ohio, July 12th through the 16th. I'm going to be there on the 13th and 14th. going to go on the factory tour, see all my tab friends, and getting some good interviews at that. So that's some news roundup news there. The other thing I want to talk about here is the mail that I got last week about my Aunt Sue. <laughs> Wasn't she the bomb? I mean, she's just the greatest. I mean... I, I don't know. She's, she's just never quits traveling. She's perpetually youthful. She's so full of vim and vigor and all those things. And I got so much mail about my Aunt Sue, which really made her day. I mean, she already knows she's the bomb, but, you know, it's nice to hear it. So thank you all who wrote in about my terrific Aunt Sue. She's really just great. And she's given up her RV, but she has not given up traveling. And so since she doesn't RV anymore, I think I'm going to have to go with her on one of her crazy trips to Siberia or something like that. <laughs> she She's always, she's got a whole bucket list of things. So thank you for all the mail about Aunt Sue. Now, I also want to tell you that we have a winner in our Lynx Leveler contest, and that was Jamie from Bedford, Indiana. So the Lynx Leveler company is sending you, Jamie, a set of Lynx Leveler uh, stacking blocks, which are invaluable. I use them every single time I'm out. And they're also sending you their wheel chocks, which are the best wheel chocks I have ever seen of this design. 
They do not budge. The other thing they're sending you is a set of caps that go on top of your lock and this really neat LED light that is on a solar panel and it comes with two little screws and you can just find a spot on your trailer that you can put that anywhere you want and give yourself light. I actually am going to install mine over my grill outside in the backyard because I have all those lights on my trailer already. So all kinds of uses for that. So thank you, Jamie, for tagging on Instagram. You are the winner and that's coming out to you soon. So that is our news for today. I'm going to be back in a few minutes and we're going to be talking about trailer lingo. So I have figured out that I am shooting out words and language here that not everybody understands. And we're going to be talking about trailer lingo in our campfire chat. We'll be right back. Our campfire chat is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. It's all about the road trips this summer with Progressive Insurance. If you love summer, if you love country music, point your RV in the direction of Wisconsin and head on over to the Country Thunder Music Festival. It's happening in Twin Lakes, Wisconsin, July 21st through the 24th. The Progressive RV is going to be on site, and it's so much fun when you find that at, a, at one of these events. They got games going on. They got pitch and putt. You can stand in front of the green screen and have your picture taken with flow. You can win all kinds of fun, progressive swag. So that is all happening at Twin Lakes in Wisconsin, July 21st through the 24th. You can head on over to wisconsin.countrythunder.com. So I want to talk to you today about trailer lingo. So one of the things that really surprised me about the podcast is who the listeners are. So when I began this adventure six or eight months ago, I assumed that the listeners would be women who already camp. That the Sisters on the Fly and the Getaway Gals and the Florida Floozies and all the different groups, the Glampers on the Loose, would be who would listen to the show. Those that are already doing it. And I sort of address my um, topics toward that group. But what surprised me is when the mail comes in, it's really not from people who are already out there doing it. And I would honestly say the majority of the mail is from people who are listening because they want to do it and they're not doing it yet. And they're looking for support and they're looking for encouragement and they're looking for a starting point. So that was very surprising to me. And I had a podcast listener who sent me a note last week. So actually the podcast listener is a friend of mine, a very old and dear friend of mine from high school and college, a young well, not young, and we're not young anymore. She was a young woman when I was a young woman, but now we're ageless. So Jody and I went to high school together, and we had a third friend, Jocelyn. Everyone in school called us the three J's. We all still live in the same county and have been intertwined in each other's lives for decades. So Jody is not a camping kind of gal, but she's a great 
friend, and she has wanted to support me in my endeavors. So she brought her phone over one day, and she asked me to show her how to get a podcast, and I got it on. And Jody's an athlete, so she's out there on Tuesday mornings doing her biking or her power walk. She's always juicing herself up with some form of exercise. So she has begun listening to the podcast on Tuesday morning. So... Anyway, she sent me a text message last week when I was camping with my mom in Massachusetts, and I'm going to read it to you. Quote, your trailer dropped at Turkey Creek, question mark. Longer tongue jack is the key, question mark. Anyway, listen to your latest podcast. You definitely lost me. And then a little sad emoji face with a frown. (laughs) So it occurred to me that maybe I'm speaking a language that not everybody understands. So I want to go over a few things that just so you know what these things are and do, especially if you're just listening and you're a wannabe out there and you're hoping to get in it one day. So the tongue jack where Jody was talking about is it's that jack. And you know what a jack is. You jack something up and you jack it down. So it's on the front of the um, frame of the trailer. And it is behind the ball receiver where when you hitch it to your truck or your tow vehicle, the ball goes on from the truck and it receives it on the tongue. So there's a jack behind that and it is what you use to raise the camper up or lower the camper down to get it on your car or to get it off your car. Once it's off your car, you use that tongue jack to raise or lower it in order to level your trailer front to back because they need to be leveled. So my tongue jack was sitting on blocks of wood at Turkey Creek and I had my stabilizing jacks lowered and somehow the trailer moved. We're going to talk about that in a minute because I got some great help from a listener on this. So that is what the tongue jack is. The wheel chocks that I keep referencing are big rubber wedges of plastic and they're sort of V-shaped and they're, they have a curve on one side and they're flat on the bottom and you literally wedge them. Sometimes you have to take a rubber mallet and actually tap them in under your wheel front and back. So like what happened to me at Turkey Swamp, I had those in and my, my trailer slid And it's not supposed to do that. And that's what sort of freaked me out. But I had very cheap $5 wheel chocks. The Lynx Leveler people gave me this really nice set now. And they don't appear to be budging at all. But I had very inexpensive ones on sandy soil. So when the trailer moved, the wheel chocks just slid in the sand. It had enough momentum and weight in it to just allow the wheel chocks to move with it. So wheel chocks are very necessary. They go in the front and back. But what I'm learning on my learning curve, and I hope you're learning with me, is that quality matters. You have to choose um, items for your trailer and products that are really well constructed. So I'm going to get to that in a minute because it, it matters. Okay. The safety chains. Safety chains are rated. They come on the front of your trailer. If your trailer is brand new like mine is, it came with 
um, very heavy duty chains. They're right underneath the tongue jack and they get attached to your car. So God forbid your trailer ever came off the hitch, the chains would catch it. There's very heavy duty receivers underneath your truck or your tow vehicle that these chains hook to. Highly unlikely they would come off unless your chains are underrated for the amount of weight. So I had a very inexpensive set of chains that just came on a vintage trailer that I had once. They were so um, light that when I took it to the trailer shop to have something else done, my trailer guy, Chris, said, you know, Janine, these, these wouldn't do crap in an emergency. You got to get rid of these chains. I noticed when I got my new Riverside Retro that the chains had tags on them. So each chain was rated for 7,800 pounds, and there's two chains. Well, my trailer weighs 3,100 pounds. Highly unlikely that the weight of the trailer would cause those chains to break. So those safety chains are there for safety. In an emergency, if for some reason that ball ever came off, if something wasn't connected properly or the, it failed in some way, the chains are there to keep the trailer connected to your car and to keep it from running off the road. 42 states in the United States require you to have safety chains when you are towing a trailer, and it's up to you to find out if your state has them. Even if your state does not have them and you are traveling in a state that does, you can and will be ticketed. It's a very big thing. Accidents happen every year, and when a trailer does get dislodged for one reason or another and it doesn't have chains, it's a big safety concern. So 42 states require those. You should just absolutely have them. That's what the safety chains are for. Leveling blocks. So this week we gave away the leveling blocks from Lynx Levelers. I think these are the best blocks out there. I have used them for years. Mine are so old. My old ones are old because Lynx Levelers just gave me new ones that they, they are become like a tangerine orange now because they sat in the sun so long. They're a very uh, sturdily constructed big blocks and they stack like Legos. And if you needed to raise your trailer on the left or the right in order to level it left to right, um, this is what you would drive the trailer up onto a set of these blocks. So that's what leveling blocks are for. So not all sites are like KOA, squeaky clean, perfectly leveled sites. I have had the worst sites all summer long. <laughs> Every site I pull into is just an engineering feat for me to get the trailer leveled. So it's just absolutely necessary you have a good set of these. Scissor jacks. So scissor jacks are, they're just crisscrossed metal. They're underneath your trailer. They are lowered with a drive nut. So you may have a three-quarter inch um, adapter that goes on that and you use a tool that is supplied to you with the scissor jacks to raise and lower them. It has a lug nut on the end and it has a three-quarter inch uh, nut that fits on the, what they call the drive nut. The drive nut lowers and raises the scissor jacks to where you need it to go in order to stabilize your trailer. 
So these jacks are meant to be stabilizing, not leveling. So when you get your trailer leveled front to back and right to left, you lower these just until they hit the ground. Now sometimes the soil isn't level, so that's where the Lynx levelers come in again because you could put a Lynx leveler with a cap on it underneath each one of these to give it a little extra stability. So that is really a stabilizing jack and you don't uh, put weight on those. They're, you have to level the trailer in other ways and then just use those scissor jacks to stabilize the trailer. And what that does is it takes away any kind of wobble when you're walking around in the trailer. So if you have leveled your trailer left to right and front to back and you went inside it and started walking around, it would be like a boat. It just is moving all over. So when you lower these things, it takes that wobble out. All right, so this is what the problem I was having was. So when I leveled my trailer at Turkey Swamp, it's very sandy soil over there. And I dropped the stabilizing jacks and the tongue jack up front was sitting on two blocks of wood. In new trailers, they have a plate that is mounted underneath the tongue jack instead of just a round circle. I didn't feel comfortable with that from the very get-go because I could see, even as I was trying to level it, that it was moving on the block of wood. And the plate was actually acting like a slide. It was giving it like permission to slide around. I, I, I've never had a tongue jack with a plate on it like that before, and I really just want to take the thing off. So... I, I was not comfortable with it from the get-go, but science is telling me, well, this is how they're done. I've got these things lowered and everything seemed fine. But when I started walking around in the trailer, I said to my husband, it doesn't feel, it, it feels um, like there's movement in it. Now, I didn't notice that on the first day, but I noticed it on the second day. And in retrospect, I think what might have happened is that because the soil was very sandy and I had leveling blocks underneath them, I think that they were just shifting under the sand. We had a lot of company that weekend. We were very close to home and people kept stopping by. And plus we were camping with the RVFTA family of friends and everybody was coming in to see the new trailer. I just think it took a lot of traffic. And because we were on sandy soil, it might have been loosening it up. So when I mentioned that to my husband, he went out and he cranked it up a little. But what he didn't do is then lower the pin. So I think what happened is the tongue jack up front, which is the stabilizing factor on the front of the trailer, probably came off of that block of wood. It couldn't have been much, even a half an inch or an inch. But when we got in that trailer and started walking around, the whole trailer shifted forward. And that's where my four scissor jacks, um, got bent backwards and the whole trailer went sliding and the tongue jack fell off the blocks of wood and dropped down about six inches, which is a sickening thud, let me tell you. So I've been dealing with that problem. And last weekend when I was camping with my mom, I was just not comfortable with it. We had a really bad sight again and I got in the trailer and it was all leveled, but it was a very unlevel sight and we had several 
leveling blocks underneath the back left stabilizing jack. That's how high off the ground it was. I had the thing completely lowered and it wasn't hitting the ground. So I had to raise it back up and put several leveling blocks under it. Well, I got in bed and I was afraid to roll over. I just had this sickening thing like this whole trailer is going to shift again. And I didn't like the way it was sitting on a block of wood up front. Anyway, Super, super podcast listener, Jeff, the Dusty Geek, came to my rescue. I wanted to put this on the forum on RVFTA to get the collective wisdom of these more experienced RVers, which I really highly encourage people to do. And I'm so grateful to you, Jeff, for helping me. I've read your letter over and over, and Jeff took so much time and wrote me such a long letter and then apologized for writing a long letter, which I was so thrilled to have. And my husband and I have gone over and over. Over it. And he gave me several products and several ideas. I thought that perhaps the problem was happening because my tongue jack is too low. Um, the trailer is very high, and when the tongue jack is all the way up, as high as it goes, it still does not reach the ball on my truck. So it must have something to raise it. And I was going to just have a higher tongue jack put on it, but Jeff gave me a good suggestion. So he suggested that I do two things and that have helped him. One thing that he wanted me to be aware of was a product that they make by Volterra, and it is a jack stand. So this product, it looks like a witch's hat. If you can get that mental picture, it has a big round disc at the bottom and a cone shape going up, except it does not come to a point. It is cut off and it the top there is about a three inch diameter receiver and it's only about an inch deep and I could put my tongue jack if I took the plate off it I'm going to have to take the plate off it's designed for the pipe to go in and that is about nine inches tall and that should give me the stability I need and I like the idea that it's it can't slide out of that one inch receiver so I ordered that from Amazon. It is designed to carry, I think it said 10,000 pounds. Yeah, it can support 10,000 pounds. Uh, so I have a 3,100-pound trailer, but the tongue weight that is sitting on that is not the same weight as your trailer, so it should be fine. Jeff said he... Uh, has a 12,500-pound toy hauler that he has been using this with, and it works great. It was only $17 from Amazon. I ordered it, and we're going to see how that works out. Um, I'm also going to see, somebody said the um, little plates are welded, so I don't know how I'm going to get that plate off or if I'm going to have to take it in and have my guy, Chris, get it off for me. Now, the other thing um, Jeff brought to my attention is something that I have seen many sisters on the fly have, and I, I ordered it on the spot. I had actually forgotten about it. It's called the Ball, B-A-L, 28050. I'm going to put it in the show links, and basically, it's a light trailer tire leveler. So this works in a different way. It's not the same thing as... Um, as the kind of uh, levelers that the scissor jacks are. This is sort of a two-in-one. It's a wheel chalk and a leveler all at the same time. And what it does is it slides in on either side. It's U-shaped, so it slides in under 13, 14, or 15-inch tires. So mine are 15-inch at the uh, 
the peak of what this will do, but I've seen other sisters on the fly use it. And then you crank it with a um, wrench and you tighten, it moves in from the sides and it grips your tire on both sides. So that tire now is not going anywhere. And when you have these wheel chocks, especially the inexpensive $5 yellow ones, you really sometimes pound them in with a rubber mallet and they still move. So I like the idea that this thing is wedged and tightened around that wheel and it can't go in either direction. But then you're able to crank the um, machine, for lack of a better word, the product up and it raises the tire off the ground to the height that you need it to be level left to right. So this is called a BAL 28050. Um, it's a lightweight tire trailer leveler. I bought it from Amazon. Um, it's, it's one, it's, I hope it's going to be here before I leave for my trip to West Virginia. And because I really, um, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious about the whole thing now. I just want to feel like that thing is as secure as it could be. So I want to thank you, Jeff, for sending me all that great information. And I'm looking forward to checking this out. He also gave me a nice little tutorial on leveling and some good tips and tricks. And I'm going to try them all out and share them with you next week. And I'll let you know how it goes. I didn't go camping this week, so I'm happy to report I didn't break a single thing on my trailer this week. <laughs> so thank you, Jeff, for helping me. Thank you, Jody, for reminding me that I'm not always preaching to the choir. And some of my listeners may not know what we're talking about. I'm going to be back in a minute. And I'm going to be talking about campground etiquette when you're camping with your dog. We'll be back in a minute. If you want to get in the great outdoors, but you don't know where to start, Little Guy Trailers has your back. They're a proud sponsor of Girl Camper, and Little Guy wants to help you live free. Little Guy Trailers are simple, secure spaces that are lightweight and easy to tow behind most vehicles. If you want to see them in person, please come and join us at the Camper College at Beckley's Camping Center on Friday, August 12th in Thurmont, Maryland. Or you can visit littleguy.com for details on models, amenities, and information, and how easy it is to get started with Little Guy. ongoing dialogue that takes place within the Sisters on the Fly and it's all about camping with your dog. So most people know that for years the Sisters on the Fly had the rule and when I say years I mean 15 years the rule at Sisters on the Fly was no kids, no men, no pets. Be nice. So everybody can live with all of those rules except no pets. So the thinking was among the founders of Sisters on the Fly, Maurice Sussman and her sister Becky Clark, their thinking was, you know what? Women take care of things all the time. And when you're camping, it's just one less thing you have to think about, worry about, and take care of. It's a downtime for you. And you, they didn't want women who are on a camping trip to be burdened with a pet. So if you're camping with a pet, you know if you're out hiking, where's your dog? If you're kayaking, where's your dog? 
So they're very pro-animal people as well as most of us are. And they also thought it was unfair to the dog to be locked up when you're out hiking or trail riding or whatever it is you're doing. So this dialogue went on and on with the Sisters on the Fly for many, many years. And there were a lot of women who did not join Sisters on the Fly because they couldn't bring their dogs. So I have to tell you honestly that I was a constant advocate for dogs with the Sisters on the Fly. Every time Maury and I were together, I would say to her, you're making a mistake with the dogs. You should let people bring their dogs. It's up to the person whether they want to deal with the dog or not. And it didn't make sense to me that a group would say, you can't come and bring your dog, but the campground you're staying at is allowing every other person who wants to bring a dog here to bring a dog. That didn't even make sense. To me, it was all about what are you willing to put up with? If you're going to stay behind while everybody's hiking because your dog is a yapper, that's up to you, not to the group organizer. So eventually, and just recently, the Sisters on the Fly came up with a new dog policy, which was, you may bring a dog if the hostess says so. So that's sort of nebulous too, because there are some hostesses who are just like, I'm not dealing with dogs. And so it's very arbitrary. I don't like that policy either. So I always advocated whatever the campground says. If I plan a meetup group for Camp Like a Girl and people want to bring a dog, if the campground allows it, who am I to say? If you want to deal with your dog while you're camping, then go ahead and do that. So what happened over our last couple of camping trips, though, deserves a little attention and something to be brought to people's attention. So there is a campground etiquette when you're camping with your dog. I personally am a dog lover. We have two rescue dogs, Buddy and Riley. Buddy is my dog who is quite familiar with the outdoors because he threw hiked to the Appalachian Trail with my son. This is the best dog in the world. I know everybody thinks their dog is the best dog. My dog really is the best dog. <laughs> but guess what? I never take him camping with me because he's a pain in the neck. Because Buddy is an outdoor dog and he wants to chase chipmunks and he wants to be pulling at the leash. And if I leave him for 10 minutes to go up to the camp store, he's barking his head off. That's so much anxiety for me. And it's torture for Buddy because here he is in the big outdoors and he it's like being taken to a candy store. You can't have anything. So I just don't take Buddy camping with me and we don't take, we sometimes take Riley. Riley is my daughter's lap dog. He's a, she is a Chihuahua and Boston Terrier mix. She's extremely well behaved. My daughter has trained her very well and she will listen to commands. But when we go someplace, like if we're going to a restaurant for lunch, because my husband has that thing, even though we're camping, we have to go into town and have the restaurant experience at the local places. So we can't bring the dog on that. So she's left in the trailer. And we don't know if she's barking the whole time we're gone. We come back and she's sleeping on the pillow. So I don't know how she's behaving. We've never had a complaint about her. The first couple of times we did it, we sort of walked away from the trailer and we could hear her barking. And then we sort of hung back and swung around where we could listen without her seeing us. And we close all the shades so she can't be looking out the window barking at everything that goes by. But it's it's sort of 
you know, it's not my ideal. I really prefer the dogs to just stay at home. So when we were on this recent uh, little trip with my mom, we ran into bad um, campers with dogs. And I want to talk about some of those things. So most campgrounds have a rule that you must have your dog leashed at all times. Most campgrounds have this rule. I mean, you think about it, you're on a little bitty site and someone is right next to you and your dog should have free reign. I don't think so. So what happened in Connecticut when we were up at a campground, I'm not going to say the name of the campground because it wasn't the campground's fault. It was bad, disrespectful campers. So we were parked next to a seasonal site, and we only stayed there one night because when this happened, my mother was done. Now I have my 80-year-old mother camping with me, and she's sitting by the fire, and she's got her coffee cup in the morning, and she's on you know, one of these flexible chairs. And um, the people next door open their trailer in the morning and let three dogs out into their site with no leashes, just open the door and let three dogs out. Well, two of them were big pit mixes. They look over and come bounding across the grassy area between the two campsites, jumps right on my mother. And my daughter, thank God, was standing next to my mom because the chair was wobbly and it was on gravel. And the chair went right over with my mother in it, but my daughter was able to grab her and we were able to upright her. So, a couple of things are so wrong with this. One, the fact that this lady just opened her door and let dogs out is unconscionable. Second of all, um, when the woman came over to get her dog, she just said, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, he's just a people lover. He just loves to greet people. Well, guess what? That's not, You should be apologizing profusely if your huge dog jumped on anybody. So my mother is not a dog lover. She's not even a dog liker. We grew up, we never had a pet in our house growing up, which explains why all of my siblings have dogs and my mother has to live with it the rest of her life. Every time she visits her kids, it's dogs, dogs, dogs. So the fact that these people came over to get their dog and were not even apologizing and then did not go back and put the dog on the leash um, and then the dog was loose again, and my mother was very anxious about being knocked over. And so that was it. We packed up and we left. So dogs on a leash at all times. Some campgrounds even limit the uh, length of the leash. Six feet is the longest some campgrounds will say the leash could be. You can't have one of these 25-foot retractable things and have your dog 20 feet in front of you. And then yanking the dog back if somebody comes by. So leash your dog at all times. Okay, number two, barking. All night, the night we were at this campground, somebody's dog, it wasn't our next door neighbors because it was coming from a different direction. That dog must have barked till two o'clock in the morning. It was pretty distant, so I could hear it. It wasn't enough to annoy the daylights out of me and keep me up half the night, but if I had been at the site next to that dog, I would have called the campground office. So, I feel like if your dog is barking, it's sort of like a kid in church. Give him a cheerio. Take him out. Do something. You can't disturb everybody else around you. Um, 
two or three weeks ago when I was camping at Camp Taylor Campground, at 6.30 in the morning, I was woken up by somebody's barking dogs, and I never went back to sleep. And they dealt with their barking dogs by screaming, Stop that! Stop that! Stop barking! Stop barking! <laughs> so they barked at their dog to stop barking. So, you know, give your dog a treat, muzzle it, whatever you have to do. If your dog is barking at off hours, pre-dawn and midnight, you should have a handful of treats or whatever it is that is going to make your dog be quiet. Okay, number three, picking up after your dog. That's just a no-brainer, but I see it all the time. I think there are people who think if your dog goes off into the edge of the woods a little and he doesn't actually do his business on the sidewalk or right where people might be walking, it's okay to leave it there. And it's not because even if it's off in the woods, it's just going to draw flies and your my dog might run through the woods. You should pick up after your dog no matter where your dog goes. Number four, don't leave your dog at your site while, he, while you're gone. So we took our dog, our old dog, Sneakers, who was a very cute little dog, but we took not knowing a thing about campground rules and dogs, we just assumed we could bring our dog and we had the dog at a campground in Acadia. I can't remember the name of the campground. But anyway, um, the, when we got there, um, we didn't even register the dog. Nobody asked us. And then we went off to do some sightseeing. We left the dog in the trailer all day. And apparently when we got back, there was a note on the door. Apparently when we got back, everybody around us had been complaining to the office all day long. That dog barked for like six hours the whole time we were gone. And we never really took the dog on vacation before. We didn't know, we didn't even think about it. And I think back on that now and I think, how dumb was I? Like, I, it didn't even occur to me that the dog might be out of his element and worried about where we were and feeling abandoned or any of those things. It was such a congenial dog. It just went with the flow. But the dog barked the whole time we were gone. The campground left a note on the door. Please come to the office as soon as you get back. And I said to my husband, you're going. I'm not going. So he, my husband came back and said, A, we're not supposed to have this dog here. B, you're not allowed to leave a dog in your tent, trailer, or cabin when you're not on the property. If you're not on the property, the dog can't be on the property. So it's one of the reasons the Sisters on the Fly had this policy about dogs for so long. It's sort of really unfair to the dog, especially if you're a dog that has separation anxiety. Now, a friend of ours who camps all the time with her dog, Rocky, her dog falls right to sleep in the afternoon and sleeps on her bed the whole time she's gone and doesn't bark. If he is barking and someone says your dog is barking, she goes right back to the trailer and she deals with him. But there is a kind of um, conscious effort made by uh, campground owners and by pet lovers to just not leave your dog alone in a trailer. There's so many things that could go wrong. There was a very sad story last year about a woman who left her dog while she went hiking. Something went wrong. There was a power loss and the air conditioner was no longer on in her trailer and the dog was comatose when she got back. So the dog had been overheated in a very hot trailer and I'm sad to say her dog passed away. So I don't know. I just don't think it's a good idea to leave your dog in your trailer while you're gone. Okay. 
The last thing I want to talk about about the dogs and traveling with them is it's up to you to be a courteous fellow camper. So if you're bringing your dog, it's really not your right to have a dog at the campground. It's your right to bring the dog, but if your dog is becoming a nuisance, it's up to you to say, you know what? My dog is causing all of these other people around me to have to deal with him. And that's not fair. So if your dog is having a bad day, you got to either take that dog out of there or go home. It sounds harsh, but you know what? You're there on vacation with other people who are on vacation and they shouldn't have to deal with your barking dog. So if the dog is upset or agitated or something is irritating the dog and it's whiny and barky, I think the nicest, most respectful, courteous thing to do is call it a day, take the dog home. So those are my thoughts on being a courteous and respectful co-camper when you're camping with your dog. to thank my sponsors Little Guy Worldwide and Progressive Insurance for sponsoring the show I'd like to thank my producer Stephanie Puglisi for putting this show together. Stephanie and her husband Jeremy can be heard every week on Campground of the Week which comes out on Wednesdays and every Friday on the RV Family Travel Atlas podcast Thank you all for listening and I want to give a special thanks to my podcast listener Jeff the Dusty Geek Thank you, Jeff, for all your help. See you next week. Happy trails.